guys, I'm Lisa Bilyeu and I've been with my hubby for over 20 years and we're about to celebrate our 19 year wedding anniversary. And I'm here to tell you, it hasn't been easy. So we've learned so many things over that time. And so I'm here today to answer your questions in any way I can to help you have a long, freaking loving relationship. So here we go. Question number one. What made you think Tom was the right person for you and the right person to make sacrifices for? Okay, here's the thing, because this is this question is so important. I don't know if you realize how freaking important this question is, but it is honestly the most fundamental question that I can answer before you start anything else. Why? Because selection matters. Literally from day one, the person you choose to be with makes all the difference. Now it's not to say they have to be perfect. It's not to say they have to check all of your freaking boxes, but it is absolutely to say that who you select makes a difference on where you think you can go with them. So for instance, if you guys have absolutely different ways of seeing life, that's gonna be a really hard challenge to overcome if one person wants to vacation and travel the world and then the other person wants to stay home and build a nest and have children and you know collect a pension. Like those different types of ways of wanting to live are gonna be so different that I would say from day one is probably not a good fit. So selection matters. Now when it comes to sacrificing, that comes over time. So if you see these things in this spark in a person that really draw you to them, it takes time to see what that leads to. We want that like magic in a bottle. Oh my God, lightning hit struck and I fell in love and everything was rosy after that. That shit doesn't happen. It's not true. My first day with my husband, he blew me away with all the shocking things he brought up in our first date. I was used to the usual first date language. And he comes along and he sits there and he's like, oh, so do you believe in God? And hey, do you watch porn on our first date? And if I had previously been, okay, what type of person am I looking for? I would never have said that type of person. But what I realized, and I'm gonna bring it back around, what I realized on that first date was he was unique, he thinks, differently. He's not afraid to bring up uncomfortable subjects. All right. Now I've seen that in him. That's interesting. Well, how comfortable can he get with subjects? Does he talk about jealousy? That was something that was really important to me. I needed to be able to have an open and honest conversation about jealousy. Because the one thing that I declared to him on our first date, because I'd been with a guy who was so ridiculously jealous, I made a statement that I'm never gonna date anybody or be with anybody that shows traits of jealousy again. So to me, what I did is upfront, I laid that out on the line. Hey, I'm not gonna be dealing with jealousy. You gotta get used to the fact that I'm gonna watch a movie and freaking love Brad Pitt's abs. That's the type of person I am and do you compute with me? Now, once you start to navigate, you start to test, I hate using the word test, but you get what I mean. Once you start to like, do one thing and flow and see how you guys, you know, move. And it's going to go back to test how you guys test each other. Once you do that, then you start to go, is this person worth a sacrifice? In fact, Sarah Jakes Roberts, who I just had on my show, literally talks about this very thing. She says, I've worked so much on my own self-esteem, my own desire, paying attention to me, taking care of myself. And when you get in a relationship, a lot of your time goes to that person. So when I look at that person, I have to ask myself, is this person worth me taking less time for me? 
for the relationship with myself. I found that so incredibly profound. So I pose that question to you. If you're with somebody, you should be looking at them and saying, are they worth the sacrifice that I could be spending on a relationship with myself? Once you can answer that, then you can start maneuvering and going down the path of spending more time with them and making more and more sacrifices. How do I stop sabotaging my relationship? I'm happy, but always finding something wrong, something that makes me think badly of my partner, and then I will start fights that end up destroying my relationship with a good man. Ooh, first of all, I just want to give you so much freaking credit for being able to be that self-aware. Like that girl, I just need to pause for a second. That is so freaking fire. So many people want to point the finger at the other person and be like, I can't understand why I can't find someone great. I don't know. I, I love that you stopped and self-assessed. Now, how do you stop it? It all comes back to peeling the onion. I totally get it, girl. You've You've probably created habits and a way of talking, the way of behaving. You've got some triggers there. I'm not a freaking therapist, but I'm going to tell you how I see things. I love that you were so honest with that. Now let's actually address the issue. I can so relate. I was in a really bad relationship before I met Tom. It was over three years. He was my first boyfriend. I didn't know how to handle things. And it was very turbulent. It was one of those really bad teenage screaming um, turbulent relationships. And so after that, when I met Tom, there were certain things that become triggers to me. There are certain habits that when someone approaches in a certain way, you don't realize that you're doing it, but you've just built up a habit from your last relationship. And what I did personally is I brought it into my new relationship. And I didn't realize that I was doing it until it started to become a problem. And that's what I love. You're already there. You've realized that this has now become a problem. Now what you need to do is not feel guilty about it, not beat yourself up about it so that you can see clearly and now make the changes. So it's going to be identifying the triggers. Like that's going to be a big thing. What are the triggers? And what I would say is start writing it down. This is how I have honestly done my own self-assessment. Every time I would fight with Tom, is sit down, I would mentally write it because I'm not a journal type person, but in case you are, write it down. Like literally write, how did I feel? Forget about the other person for a second. How did I feel? Where was the moment where you started to feel the argument was escalating? Why was that moment existing? What was internally going on in your mind? Were you feeling flustered? Why were you feeling flustered? Was he pressing a button? What was the button he pressed? How did he press the button? Was it a word you said? See? Breaking it down, breaking it down, breaking it down, peel the onion, peel the onion. That's how you end up coming to the, the root conclusions. But you don't want to judge yourself and it's going to take time. It may take another 10 arguments, 20 arguments. But one other thing I would advise is actually talk to your partner. Say, look, I actually recognize this part of our relationship is a big part of my doing. I'm working on it because I really, I really, really like you or I love you, whatever one you want to say but I really value this relationship and I know I'm not where I want to be. So right now I'm in self-assess mode. It'd be great if actually you can give me the space or if you can actually help me. I'd love to, after every argument, once our emotions are low and you have to have this discussion when your emotions are low, you don't have this discussion when you're in the middle of an argument, it's before the argument. And you're like, and afterwards, it'd be really great to get back together and maybe assess where you think I went wrong, where I think I went wrong, and then what maybe my triggers were. If you need that help, don't worry about asking. That's the beauty about being in a relationship. 
being vulnerable, showing that you want to get better, but that you're not there yet. And actually, guys, it's a great way to assess, is your partner reciprocating? Or do they go, well, that's your problem, not mine? Well, if they say that, you kind of know what to do. If they're like, oh my God, thank you so much for sharing. Absolutely. Now, you know, they're in it just as much as you. You doing all this work is really showing how important your relationship is to you. And if you're articulating it at your partner and they don't reciprocate, that's what I would say, because that's how you're going to build over time the way that you're able to really freaking connect with them. And if they're not going to be there for you while you're stumbling, while you're trying to figure it out, then maybe they're not the right one for you. Now, going back to the strategy, once you've unpacked it, once you know what those triggers are, I literally did this, guys. I'm not freaking lying. I figured out what my trigger was and I just told Tom, hey, babe, my trigger is this. And every time you say this or something like this, I start to derail. I start to act irrationally. Like I actually start to act irrationally. And I'm apologizing for that in advance. I'm working through it. But what I need from you is when I'm irrational, I actually said this to him, when I'm irrational, please don't judge me. Please give me the grace and hug me or say, hey, do you need a break? Whatever that is. But now you're communicating with your partner. And what happens is they see that you're really trying. And that to me, guys, that to me is the freaking essence of a relationship. Not to be bloody perfect, not to have the perfect relationship. I'm like sweating, I'm so passionate about this. Like that's the juice. And in these moments is you're able to see, is the juice worth the squeeze? I'm sorry, I cannot resist, but it's true. I watched an episode where you discussed that you and Tom don't bring up divorce as a threat, so to speak. Could you elaborate on your choice not to do that? Oh my God, yes, thank you for asking this question because this was something Tom and I actually decided from very, very early on in our relationship. Um, no one wants to live in fear. You don't want to be in a relationship where someone's going to easily get an out if they're upset with you or that you've done something and, oh my God, am I going to lose them because I've said this? I need to know. I need to know that my husband is with me for the long freaking haul. I need to know that. And he needs to know that. That no matter how much he fucks up, no matter how much he messes up in our relationship, divorce is off the table, except, except I gave him two non-negotiables. So I'm not to say that divorce isn't actually a possibility, but I set him up for success. So I said, hey, I'm not looking to divorce you. No matter what happens, I hate to say this, but if you get brain damage, babe, I fucking love you. I'm here with you. Like nothing, no matter what, if you accidentally call me a bitch, I'm still here. Divorce is off the table, except for the two non-negotiables. Now, what are the non-negotiables? You never, ever get to cheat on me. You never, ever, ever, ever get to hit me, period. Those two things, you want to talk about divorce, I'm freaking out the door. So it's not that I'm saying don't use divorce if it causes like if there's an actual reason why you need to get divorced, then you really should. Another thing, actually, if Tom and I, if we did everything we possibly could, if we went to counseling, if we read all the books, if we sat and just spoke and spoke and spoke for hours and hours and months and months and years and years on end, and we still ended up in a place where we were both unhappy in the relationship, we would get divorced. So it's not that it's completely off the table. It's the mindset around the word divorce and what would cause it. And for us, it really is, I'm never just gonna leave you. You're never just gonna be surprised. I'm never gonna threaten you 
with divorce. And he's never going to threaten me with divorce. Because what happens is you start to have the fear. And fear in a relationship with your partner, fuck that shit. There's no way. There's no freaking way I'm going to be in a relationship where I have fear over loss. No freaking way. And that all comes down to being each other's security. Knowing I'm not going anywhere. When you know someone's not going anywhere, it gives you a sense of safety. And to me, that's exactly what relationships are. It's about safety. It's about trust. And as a perfect example, I'm just going to throw this in there. I had massive gut issues. I still have gut issues. But there was a while, guys, for years, sex was really hard. Standing up was really hard. I could barely eat. So I was severely malnutrition, which meant that I was a bit of a wild one when it comes to emotions. Now imagine in those moments of being super sick, super sick, not being able to sexually satisfy my husband, not feeling sexy. In those freaking moments, imagine I had to worry, is he going to leave me? Like, I can't imagine a world where I would have to worry about that. That's not a relationship I want. And so going back to why do we commit to never saying the word, that that word is just as bad as the word Voldemort? Why? Because of that. Be vulnerable with your partner. Show your weaknesses. Show your vulnerabilities. That builds trust. And honestly, a relationship without trust isn't a relationship I want to be a part of. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easier easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams 
a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. How do you go about choosing a partner with a growth mindset? All right, first of all, I want to start about emphasize the reason why finding a partner with a growth mindset is so important if you have one. Because here's the thing, when you want to grow, when you want to change, when you want to improve, when you want to be better every single day, You need someone that has that same mentality because as you grow, if they don't, they're just going to say, hey, you've changed. You've changed. You're not the person that I married. I keep saying, like, honestly, isn't that the best news? I don't want to be the same person Tom married 19 years ago. I don't want Tom to be the same person I married 19 years ago. So we encourage each other's growth. So that's why it's so freaking important because without a partner that supports your growth, it's going to be really freaking difficult. Now going to how do you actually find a partner with a growth mindset? I would go to places where these types of people exist. It's just like fitness. Fitness is actually really important to me. It's become such a part of who I am. It makes me feel powerful. So I just know I wouldn't be able to be with somebody that didn't care, that didn't understand what it meant to move your body, that what it meant to be in the gym, to lift weights, why it's good for you and good for the mind, nevertheless the body. So I would go, okay, that's really important to me. So I'm not going to meet someone or I'm not going to date someone that doesn't have that. Okay, cool. Where do people that have a fitness mindset go? Okay, I'm sure there are, you know, platforms, communities, Um, I would go to the gym, maybe with COVID you can't, but like that's the sort of thing. I would embed myself in the communities. That's going to be important. So where can we find growth mindset communities? I don't know. Maybe women of impact, maybe impact theory. But apart from actually going into communities and figuring all that out, one thing I would say is when you meet someone, it all becomes part of their language. So ask them questions. Hey, what are you reading? What are your dreams? What are your goals? What are you working on? Like to get to those goals, you start to sense like if they have the growth mindset, if that's the path that they want to go on. So that's going to be really, really important is asking the questions. And then as time goes on, if you're dating someone, as time goes on, you'll start to see, right? There'll be moments where you'll see like, oh, do they have a growth mindset? Did they apologize? Did they see, did they admit what they did wrong? All these things will end up showing you the type of person they are and the type of mindset they have. And then you can assess whether they're right for you. How do you handle and de-escalate arguments? All right. The reason why I love this question is I used to be a bit of a hothead. Still a bit am. But definitely, I was a person that would that would wear my emotion on my sleeve. And so what would happen was we'd get into this debate with Tom, we'd have a bit of a thing, and I would just keep escalating. Like, just keep going. What do you mean? And my tone would get louder, and I would get louder, and my hands would get more wild. And before you know it, it becomes like a full-out screaming match. Now, Tom and I used to do that. We've had many screaming matches guys one that comes to mind we screamed at each other so much we're actually living at my mum's before we got married and we were screaming at each other so much he storms out he goes downstairs my house in england he goes downstairs and he slams the door he goes to leave the other door because in england you got two doors he slams the first door goes to open the other one and it's locked so he goes to come back in the house and it's locked and now he's literally locked in between two doors and he knocks and i come down the stairs and i'm furious and then i see that he locked himself out and I just opened the thing and we just started laughing. 
That was one of those moments where it's like, wow, you know what's so interesting? How we can actively change our chemicals. Like we can flip them on a freaking dime. In fact, I'm going to give you an example, guys. You're in the middle of an argument and your phone rings. What do you mean? Hello? How many times have you done that? You can flip your tone. You can flip the way you come across just like that. But how do you actually do it? That's the tricky part. So now you need to say, okay, I realize I can do it. You made a point. Okay, I really can flip. But in the moment when it's really heated, if I don't get that phone call, if I don't get this, I can't get myself out of it. Okay, that's very honest and that's beautiful. But what have I just identified? A disruptor. A disruptor. Something that literally comes in in the middle of that moment that disrupts everything. Another perfect example of a disruptor. Tom and I were... It was day night. We hadn't had a date in ages. It was early on in our relationship. We were going to the movies to watch Rush Hour. And on the way there, we end up arguing. Like, arguing to the point where you're like, I don't even know what we were arguing about. But it was so, we were mad. Like, furious with each other. And so we sit down in the movie theater. We're both really pissed. We watch the movie. We start laughing. We come out of the movie like, oh my God, that was so funny. What were we arguing about? Disruptor. So now go to what is a disruptor for you and how do you do it in the moments of really heated arguments? For me, a disruptor now is walk away. Like it seems simple, I know, but actually walk away. And I used to tell myself, walk away, Lisa, but I never freaking did. So then I'm like, okay, how do I start to walk away? Start to break it down. One of the moments where you know it's, t- it's gone from a conversation to an argument to a heated argument, to an all-out fisticuffs blowout. Like, those are the stages, right? I actually don't mean fisticuffs, but you go, I mean, the screaming, the, oh my God. Like, those are the stages. And now I'm going to go back to identify. Sit down and in, in retrospect, that's where all my lessons have learned. By, I've learned my lessons, by the way. Everything has been in the retrospect. Nothing, nothing has been in the moment like, oh, I can see so clearly now this is what I'm doing wrong. All in retrospect. So, Every time you have the arguments, in retrospect, write down what were those moments that you went from it being an, a misunderstanding or a debate or a discussion to a bit of an argument, to a heated argument, to a full-blown out, like, shouting scream match. Now start to, where, where in hindsight would I have walked away? Because there is a point, guys, I don't know about you, in fact, but for me, there is a point where it's blind, I get blinding mad. Like I actually get blinded mad where freaking something's take over my body, at least before. Literally, it felt like things, something took over my body and afterwards I was like, I can't believe I'm, I acted like that. I'm so embarrassed that I screamed like that at my husband or my boyfriend at the time. Look at those moments and don't feel badly about them, but do use it as a freaking lesson. And the lesson is, where did it happen? Where can I prevent it next time? And when that happens, how, I'm gonna re- how am I going to remind myself to walk away? And it all becomes repeat, guys. You're never going to get this once. Like, even with the words that I'm saying, even if right now you're listening to me, you're like, oh, that actually makes most sense. The guaranteed, the next argument you have, everything I've just said got out the window because it takes practice. So I don't, like, honestly, don't feel shitty about it. Don't beat yourself up. You may take an entire year, an entire two years. In fact, I've been with Tom for 19 years and we still end up sometimes in big arguments. So don't judge yourself for being perfect look at what you're doing and assess the slow progression on how to get to the point where once upon a time you used to scream at each other for hours and an entire day would go by and you would never get along to the point where it's like oh my god now I've narrowed it down to a 30 minute argument 
Like that's how you start to do it, right? It becomes a scale. So don't worry about being perfect. Just start to look at that scale and whittle it down time and time again that you can make that shorter. So what happens for me is when I start to feel my face getting flustered, that's a sign for me. When I start to like not be able to say words out loud because I'm like, yeah, but, 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 that's a freaking sign for me. So what I did is I put these little flags in place that when I start to like stutter like that, when I start to get flustered and my face starts to get warm, walk away. So the very disruptor that Tom and I did that worked like magic is he wrote a letter to himself because what was happening is we would, he would say something, I would say something back. And because he was very stressed at work, he would start to escalate. And we'd have these arguments and they end up being like a day, two days arguments. So what we ended up doing is he wrote a letter to himself and it says, dear me, this is me. I just want to tell you right now, you're having a chemical imbalance. You know, Lisa loves you more than life itself. And you can imagine the rest of the things. That's the letter that he wrote to himself. And what he did is he gave it to me. And he said, babe, the next time we start escalating and the next time you start to sense that I'm unhappy with you or mad that you are angry with you, I need you to read me this letter. Now he'd given me permission. That's the key guys is working together to say this problem that we have in our relationship right now isn't healthy. Do we agree? Yes, we agree. You have to say it out loud. Great. Now that we both agree, how do we both together work on this? And so when he came to me and said, this is the letter, I'm like, you need to give me permission because what's going to happen is in that moment of madness, in that moment where you're so annoyed with me, if I pull it up, I can never have you say, don't read it to me. So I need you in real time right now to give me permission. He said, yes, I do. The very next time we have an argument, I pull out my phone and I'm like, all right, dear me, this is me. And we both start laughing. And he's like, yep, yeah, you don't need to read it to me anymore, babe. I totally get it. I love you. I'm sorry. Let's, let, let's discuss the issue and let's actually work things out. Let's deescalate, right? Strategy. Can give you one more. I have a little love chip. It's literally a little rock that I found in like some touristy place, God, 15 years ago or something. And it says love on it. And I was so frustrated that Tom and I would get into these arguments. Sometimes we were out. Like when you're home, it's not as bad. But when you're like at a restaurant that you've been excited about, or when you're at a bar or you're Disneyland, wherever you are, there's always those moments where you don't see a freaking argument coming. Like you're like, I didn't see that coming. How did I not see it? And now it's been five hours and all we've done is argue. How in those freaking moments do you stop? Disruptor. So what I did is I found these little chips and I said, babe, you're always going to carry one on you and I'm always going to carry one on me. And now we need to do a pinky swear that when we're in the middle of an argument, if I pull out the chip to you, it is to very specifically let you know, I love you. We're escalating and we need to calm down. And the same to you. This is what the chip means and you can give it to me. And whoever is more emotionally sober in that moment to pull out the chip, the other person must reciprocate. Do we agree? Yes. Pinky swear. Amazing. Have I pulled it out? Of course I have. I think I've done it once. I didn't pull it out, guys, for over 10 years. And so here's the truth, transparency. Three weeks ago, I pulled it out again. 10 years! 10 years I hadn't used it. And then I was like, we're starting to like, we're both really busy and we're starting to like kind of rub on each other. You start to sense it, right? When something happens in life or work and you start to get stressed and your partner's stressed and now you start to like rub at each other. You don't mean to, but you do. All right, 
10 years, I don't care. I just remembered what was the disruptor? What was the techniques that I used to put into place? How do I do it? And literally guys, oh my God, I'm so, I wish he was here to say it. I literally had the chip and I went up to him. 10 years, I'm just gonna keep repeating that. And I just went up to him and he literally, he looked at it and he wide-eyed and he smiled. He's like, come here, baby. And he just hugged me. Disruptors, having the communication about what the disruptor means and then both of you being on board with making sure that you can use it in order for you both to have a beautiful freaking relationship.